they'll overbid on a property just because their ego kind of got the best of them. So staying level-headed, knowing your numbers, and that's where you stop right there, and that's it. That's the way you'll be successful. Before we get into today's episode, I want to mention today's best ever partner and give you a free gift. And that partner is Fund That Flip, and they're going to be giving you a free deal analysis spreadsheet. You know who Fund That Flip is, don't you? Because you're a loyal best ever listener. They've been a sponsor on the show. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fund That Flip, has been on the podcast multiple times, giving us his insight on the online lending process. Fund That Flip provides fast, reliable funding for your house flip projects. They're an online platform, makes the application process entirely easy, and they've got a whole bunch of experts on their team who can help you get funding in 24 hours and close within as few as seven days. And all of you best ever listeners, you're getting a free spreadsheet to help you analyze your projects. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever, and you'll get a free deal analysis tool that'll help you provide a scope of work for your projects, create the scope of work, analyze the profitability of the project, or if it's not profitable, you need to know that too, and make a determination on the max purchase price. Super important. You can print out all the detailed reports. And that will help you get your deals funded faster. Go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Get that free analysis tool, fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. We've interviewed Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and a whole bunch of others with us today. Sean Tarpenning. How you doing, Sean? Hey, great. How about yourself? I'm doing very well, my friend. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Sean. He is the owner at U.S. Real Estate Equity Builder, which is a turnkey company, owns over 125 single-family and multi-family units. In 2016, his company sold over 250 properties and went from $5 million in sales to $13 million in sales year over year. His company provides jobs to over 300 people in Kansas City between his office staff and his construction crew. I've never actually mentioned that as a bullet point for an introduction. I really like that, though. I'm glad that it was called out. Based in Kansas City, Missouri, with that being said, Sean, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? A little bit about my background is I've been in real estate for a little over 10 years. I've done real estate as far as turnkey or cash flowing investments, several different markets, Indianapolis, St. Louis. I've done it in Atlanta, Dallas, San Antonio, Houston, Phoenix before it was saturated in 2011. So Kansas City is our primary market for numerous reasons. One, the taxes have been cheap for the last 30 years. And then two, just due to the, the amount of product that was out there and the price points that are available for Kansas City. With so that, I've done multiple. I've wrote a book. I've did some other type of commercial type investing. So in my, my real estate background, I would say, is diverse and it's had its ups and downs. Let's talk about why you focus on what you're focusing on now. So what's the primary way you're making money now? 
It's more of a presenting cash flow investments to self-directed IRAs. It was a big deal for the international investors to be investing into a single-family house with a tenant in place that was fully rehabbed and a cash flowing investment based on the currency in about 2009 to about 2011, 12-ish. Now it's moved more domestically from people rolling out their self-directed IRAs into real estate investments from a cash flow standpoint because the returns are so much bigger than what they were receiving elsewhere. So our cash flow investments with a fully rehabbed house and a tenant in place after some of the maintenance, insurance factors, and taxes come out of those, their return on investments usually above 12% cap rates, what we offer in Kansas City, all the way upwards of about 16 So with that said, we do do some in the urban core, which would be considered a C grade all the way up to an A grade, which some might consider 1980 or newer. A B grade might be considered 800 rent and above. So we do a variety of different products at a variety of different cap rates. Hmm. What have you found has been the most popular? The C-grade assets have been the most popular for us, which they don't have a lot of great publicity sometimes with them. But as far as knowing your provider, which would be us, we provide confidence in the investor knowing that we fully rehab this house, put a credible tenant in place that's had a thorough background check, and provide all the same amenities that you or I might have, like a garbage disposal, dishwasher, on central air. And we're really big on mechanical, so eliminating the maintenance on the front end is one of our biggest positive attributes. So. With that said, it's understanding what you're investing in. I guess it can be considered a little bit riskier, but from right now, from our standpoint, our C grade through bank financing for the investors have been appraising sometimes six to 10 grand above what they're currently purchasing them for. So the Kansas City market is appreciating well above 10% a year right now. Hmm. Wow. That's nice, especially when you're buying a turnkey property because you don't necessarily focus on that as much, I don't think but it's more of a cash flow play that you don't have to worry about all the hassles of owning as you would a more of a fixer-upper. What type of investors do you come across who are investing in these deals? What's their background? We have a variety of different backgrounds. I've done some of the seminar shows with the self-directed IRA rollout companies. I've been a part of those for, I was previously before I started my own company, but currently since the market switched, we have anybody from that's just saved up, you know, 30 to 40 to $50,000, just some blue collar workers and they wanted to invest in real estate and start figuring it out, but didn't want the headaches of the everyday trying to figure out the construction side of it, where to acquire, what to do, tenant placement and property management, all the way up to doctors and attorneys. So people that have large net wealth to people that some would consider lower net worth, just a variety of different people all across the spectrum. Hmm. And what type of questions are typically asked? And I know you have a team in place that initially talk to the investors, but First off, let me ask, do you speak to the investors when they're asking questions about the properties? Yes, if need be, but our team here is well-versed on some of the basic questions that they might have. It gets a little bit too in-depth where it becomes the financing piece from the self-directed IRA rollouts and what they can do with that. I might get involved, but overall, investors, we have a lot of investors that fly in town. I meet them personally, talk through their investment, what their opportunities are here, and if we are the right fit for them, I just let them know, you know, through doing their due diligence, which they should always through other maybe providers or in other cities, they need to be able to understand what we provide. So I just give them the confidence of understanding that they are buying a truly fully rehab turnkey product in the Kansas City area with property management in the place, 
and a good team in place. So we try to get them introduced to everybody who they'll be talking to so they can put a face with the name. What are the objections that an investor has or might have that you expect them to have initially? I mean, after so many conversations, you know kind of some of the the main things people are going to bring up, and I'm sure you have responses for them. So what are some of the initial objections or concerns that an investor has when they meet with you? They would be area-based, value-based, but like area-based, a cusp of a really a C when it could be a B-grade type property. So I have to reassure them of the area, that the job support that we have coming in here, south, the area, it appreciated so much so quick. It was unfathomable for a lot of investors to understand why. Well, they're putting 15,000 healthcare jobs out south Kansas City. So it brought the value of the homes up like above 10%. So they were having a hard time understanding that. So it's just from a cash flow play, we try to ask them up front to eliminate, are you looking for a cash flow play? Are you looking for a lower cap rate with an equity play too as well? And then a couple of other pitfalls would be property management. Do you really have good tenants in place? Are you doing background checks on these tenants? And what are you doing trying for tenant retention? Well, tenant retention is our highest priority at ours. We do not want the tenants to leave. We try very, very hard to get multi-year leases. And that's one of the main concerns of the investor in reassuring them that we're not trying to get the tenant out the next year to get a lease fee, to get a turnout fee. We are trying to keep the tenants in there for three to five years. And we do have a lot of properties with multi-year leases. You mentioned earlier, you've had ups and downs in this business. You've been doing it for over 10 years. What are some of the downs? You know, I would say some of the downs have been for me personally. I can recite the full address of the property. I lost $100,000 on a single family house. I won't give the exact address, but it was in Brookside, (laughs) buying (laughs) buying at the wrong time. I bought it at the wrong time. The rehab took a lot longer than I was expected, and this happened about four years ago, and I was... I would say I was at a pretty high level of real estate then, and it was just the factors of the weather, some of the other things I had going on in life, and I just could not pull out of it. So it's about timing with everything. So in my interest, knowing your interest, I had hard money pulled on the property, and they made every dollar back. I was the one that took the $100,000 loss on the property. They actually appraised for $100,000 more than I sold it. So that was a little burner at the end for me, but it was a lesson I'll never forget. Wow. It appraised for $100,000 more than you sold it for. So so you could have, if you had a buyer, you could have sold it for a little bit more and recouped some of that 100 Yes. And the thing, it was just timing because it was winter to winter. By the time I sold it the next winter, they had me and they own it because a lot of properties around that December, January time, even the last part of November can be kind of hard to move. And this was about a, a it, it appraised at four fifteen. I sold it for three fifteen. Mm. I'd like to dig in there just a little bit to understand a little bit more. And it's not to open up wounds that have healed over a little bit. It's just for best ever listeners who are fixing and flipping, just lessons learned. I mean, you said timing, certainly winter to winter. It took longer than you anticipated. What was the cause of it taking longer than you anticipated? Well, one was I didn't know that area as well, so I put the master bedroom downstairs on the main floor, which everybody commonly in that area has a master bedroom on the second level with the other bedrooms for the children. That's the way I would want to put it. But I made the house a little bit different, and I moved a little bit too many walls, so my cost went up. So moving walls to the best ever listeners and getting the city to come out and permits can get kind of time intensive because you're on their time. They're not on yours. And 
Another thing is is that the uh, plumbing, I bought the property as is, and the uh, main line from the house all the way to the main sewer line outside needed to be replaced. Not a foreseen cost, and that added quite a bit to it as well. So with permits, getting familiar with that with the city, putting in new headers for moving walls, and just making the layout a little bit more modern than the area was carrying, all were factors in that disaster, to put it. Mm, okay. And what type of market research would you do on future flips that you didn't do on this? Like what specifically would you look at or what resource would you look at in order to know what type of approach you should take? One would be just not trying to be ahead of the market, being with the market. I was just trying to do a little bit more modernizing in an area that just wasn't ready for it. Today, that same particular property, that when this happened a couple of years back, it would sell all day. It's going to sell all day long for 450 minimum, if not 475, depending on what's happened to it since. But just not trying to modernize something when it's already in a position that it could have sold it and cutting cost in that area. You know, I mean, I kind of cut a lot of cost in the front end by uh, not doing the stucco and just kind of going with the flow in the neighborhood. But due diligence wise, a lot of the properties these days that are, are, are foreclosures, they're sold as is. So we put a worst case scenario in there and um, we've got costs down pretty well at our, our company so I can kind of factor in if a main line does need replaced. And I go with the worst case scenario, always not a best case. And then if you're using hard money, you should just go ahead. If it's your first time doing this, and factor a minimum of six months, if not eight months worth of interest before purchasing the property if you're using a hard money situation. Just because the unexpected could come up with permits, could take a month for the city to get out there, depending on what city you're in. What's been one of your favorite projects? Because you said you've run the gamut on experience with different types of real estate investing. So what's something that you've really enjoyed doing that stands out? Probably my office, because when I literally started this in about 2014, at the end, I had about $9,000, and it was time for me to make a transition. My value, I was getting valued at a level that I shouldn't have been, and so I left a previous company that I helped start and just started my own. And then when I got here to the office, I started out up front, which was a 3,600-square-foot office. I just started running and just kind of more or less took a gamble. I got into a hard money position, started using hard money that was pretty expensive, started buying properties and making them turnkey investments with self-managing and kind of rolled that way for quite a while and then started bringing people at see fit. And I think today, for me setting up front in a big warehouse, we have about 14 offices in here, four bathrooms, and we're currently getting ready to move into another building that's from this one's usable square feet is probably about 2,000, 2,200. So we're moving to a 10,000 square foot building here in the next month and a half. And are you buying these buildings or are you renting them? I turned mine over after it needed so much work. I was getting ready to move and the owner would just ask if I would buy the property and I'll tell you the numbers. I bought it for 165000 when the one next door sold for four twenty five. very comparable. I had to put about a little less than a hundred grand over time of work into it. They were HVAC commercial grade and things of that nature. And so the value today is worth about four fifty, closer to five hundred. So at that time it was just the way things fell into place. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Well it's knowing the property, what its highest and best use is going to be. Like at our current 
deal, if we walk up to a real estate deal on acquisition, we're looking at it from a standpoint, are we going to put a homeowner in this property? Are we going to put a tenant in this property? Are we going to sell it as a cash flow investment? What do the numbers look like at selling it as a cash flow investment versus selling to a homeowner? So knowing the highest and best use for that property at that particular time and just not getting emotionally attached to one property. So we do hundreds and hundreds of properties a year. And I'm never emotionally attached to one, not even my personal residence. Everything's bought for an investment. So it's not getting emotionally attached, knowing there's another deal out there and not going over the bid just because of a gut feeling, maybe of your ego or needing that particular property. I see it all the time on the courthouse. They'll overbid on a property just because their ego kind of got the best of them. So staying level-headed, knowing your numbers, and that's where you stop right there and that's it. That's the way you'll be successful. When you're looking at the highest and best use, and you're determining should we put a homeowner in it, is that a lease option? Is that basically what you're doing there? No, it would be just straight to a homeowner buying that's going to get the conventional financing, but we are moving into lease options, though, as well. That's a great point that you bring that up, lease options. They are a thing, and they've been a thing for quite a while, but they're starting to roll more that way. As of now, you've put a homeowner in it, so traditional financing, you sell it to that person. You sell it for cash flow, so I suspect that is selling it to an investor. And then the third is renting it. And when you look at the highest and best use, how do you compare which one makes more sense for your business when you're looking at having someone rent it? So I assume that would be keeping it in your portfolio, right? Well, no, I don't keep anything in my portfolio because I keep rolling my money. But at the same time, we do rent it versus when we sell it. It's all about the timing of the market. Right now, through the November, December, January time, it's not a good time to put a lot of houses on the open market for homeowners to buy. They're not looking to move. So we do list all of our houses under the impression that we could have a homeowner. It doesn't matter if it's A, B, or C grade. Come in and buy it. But our main focus is putting a renter in place and selling it to the investor to collect the cash flow, no matter what it is. But the market's ever moving, so you'll always kind of want to move with the market as well. How do you make money on the turnkey business? Where are your fees? Well, it's not my fees. I guess I would say more built into making it a full turnkey product would be I make money at acquisition. So what we're buying the property for that's the first place you make the money. There's a number that you have to hit versus what the cap rate is. And I've just done hundreds and hundreds of properties in Kansas City and across the U.S. over a 1,000 that I just know my numbers in my head. So I know where the acquisition number needs to be. That's where you really win. And then it's versus the rehab. The reason why we get our rehab so cheap than possibly anyone else is because of providing the work and making sure everybody gets paid every single Friday. So that's where our biggest advantage is up. So we make small margins because ours is a volume play. So with the flip of the property to the investor, we make a small margin there and then we just self-manage it here at the U.S. Real Estate Equity Builder Property Management Company. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I guess so. (laughs) All right. Well, let's do it. First though, a quick word from our best ever partners. Remember to get your free deal analysis tool for your flips at fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever. It will detail your scope of work, help you analyze if the project's profitable, and make a determination on the max purchase price. Fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, it is here. Well, it's almost here. February 24th and 25th. The conference, the best ever conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, 
You better sign up right now. It's going to sell out. BestEverConference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to BestEverConference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference, they want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com. What's the best ever book you've read? Real Estate Developer's Handbook in 2007. Oh, I've read that. That is a beast. It's pretty broad spectrum. I did like it. Tanya Davis is the author on it. It's just it gives you the different types of wording for uh, real estate and understanding a little bit, and gives you kind of a glossary of where you can look some things up. And it's just a pretty overall, not so in depth where it's too hard to understand for the basic real estate investor. That's the one that is. It's like a textbook, right? Yes. That's a nice, healthy read. That's for sure. Best ever personal growth experience, and what you learn from it. I would say, I think I elaborated a little earlier when I was with some previous companies, not letting them create my value for myself. Real estate has created my value beyond belief. I went from $9,000 in the end of 2014 to over $10 million in real estate. And we're just at the beginning of 2017. So I guess from a personal growth experience, I'm just not letting somebody create a value for myself, just creating it through real estate. Is that what I've been doing? And you personally own $10 million, Is that right? Or yes? Okay. What is the largest valued property that you have? That I have right now, I would say it's over a million dollar property. I bought it for 600000 and it needs 100000 rehab. And I'm already currently getting offers on it for over a million. So it's going to be around 1.1. So I'd say the margin right there after hard money is going to be uh, over 350 hmm. And it sounds like for these $10 bucks worth of real estate, is that a hold or are you flipping those? I'll flip all of them. Everything I have for sale, even my car, if you want that. But um, I usually buy everything with with value that can be resold where I can make a small margin. So everything's for sale. (laughs) I enjoy that. Uh, What's the best ever deal you've done? The best ever deal was that one that I just did was a 350K margin. So that would be the best one. I mean, it's coming up to be it right now. But before this would be on a sixplex, I made $100,000 on a flip in one day. And by flip, obviously, you didn't have time to put much into it. So you just flipped it to the retail buyer, I guess? Yeah, I put it with some of my other properties and had it a position to, like, basically, I had to fund the deal on the sixplex. And then it was flipped in the same package they were buying. They were package buyers. And so on that individual property, it was a $100,000 net. What's the best ever way you like to give back? We usually adopt a family here, so we do that in every single year, the last couple of years anyways. And then overall, just helping our tenants um, in a position that's best for them as well, so working with our tenants. So I feel like I'm giving back when we can kind of help, not charging them late fees all the time, and understanding life does happen to everybody because we have over 500 and some properties at the property management company, so and kind of give back there. And how much would you sell the adopted family for at any point in time? No, well, it just depends. It depends how many kids there are there. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, what's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? 
Well, that would be the bomber I lost 100K on. It's a timing play, and real estate is a timing play. And I, I know locations preach so heavy, and that's obviously a good golden rule for real estate. But the timing, that 54th Terrace when I lost $100,000 that I'll never forget. Lastly, what's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? At my office or by email, sean at usreeb.com. But yeah, my office, I'm usually here about 16 to 18 hours a day. Yeah, I picture that. I can easily picture that. You're a mover and shaker, that's for sure. I got the vibe for sure when you said everything's for sale, including my car. That's when everything clicked with me on how you operate and the approach that you take. And everything's an investment, even your primary residence, as you said and just focus on value-add creation because that's your business. You're buying properties, creating value through forced appreciation of the renovations and then selling them as turnkeys. That's the primary way you're making the money and doing a volume business. Thanks for sharing that business model and your psychological approach along with the $100,000 thing that we don't have to talk about anymore. Uh, best ever listeners you can go listen to that just rewind this episode i don't want to bring that up again really enjoyed our conversation sean i wish you the best hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon thank you Joe. appreciate it best ever listeners it is here well it's almost here february 24th and 25th the conference the best ever conference have you signed up yet oh if you haven't you better sign up right now it's gonna sell out besteverconference.com I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference. They want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com.